On day one of Senior Bowl practice, Washington quarterback Michael Penix showed why he is the top guy. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. And right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And guys, if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com. RIP, you may know me as Mr. Drew. You may know me as Sirius Black. You may know me as Mr. AKA. And guys, I appreciate every one of you that is an everydayer of this, of this podcast. That means you make this podcast your podcast, your first, your first watch each in each in every. And for those of you who have not gotten on that everyday bandwagon, you have not jumped into this exhilarating lifestyle of becoming an everydayer of this illustrious podcast. All you got to do to become one is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcast. So today's episode, we're going to talk all about my observations from day one of senior bowl practice. We'll talk about some of the standout receivers. We'll talk about some trench players, some pass rushers. We'll talk about Arthur Smith going to Pittsburgh, Ben Johnson deciding not to go to Washington. And we'll talk about Raheem Morris's 100% approval rating with some thoughts on him from his for former team buddy, Jeff Ulbrich, uh, uh, formerly Atlanta Falcons, currently with the New York Jets. But we'll start the day talking about the thing that I was eager, was eager anticipating, and I'm sure so many of you are eagerly anticipating. What about these quarterbacks, right? The Falcons are in the market for a quarterback and maybe one of these seven quarterbacks that are down here in Mobile, all right, are going to be hashtag future Falcons. And, you know, going into the week on yesterday's episode, I broke down sort of how I kind of stacked the seven quarterbacks and Michael Penix Jr. of Washington was my top guy. And out of day one, he shined, right? He had the best day of any of these seven guys and he remains the top guy, right? He consistently showed good touch accuracy placement on his ball ball goods on many of his furrows and as i said as i said he was going to be the top quarterback going into the week into the weekend far through one day seemed to confirm that he's the top guy and it didn't really feel like it was as close bo nix of oregon sam hartman of notre dame the two other quarterbacks in the national team on the early morning practice you know i thought they had solid days but it just really felt like the ball was a little bit different when Penix was out there throwing leading receivers, you know, dropping some throws in the bucket. And there was a clear separation to me with, between Penix and those guys. But I thought both of those guys looked relatively solid, especially when you compare them to the American quarterbacks who, you know, I think the arm talent was on display. Joe Milton was ripping throws, right? Kind of sailing something, some passes, missing a lot of marks. He did seem to settle settle in a little bit as the practice wore on, but that accurate accuracy with but the arm talent was as his advertised. Spencer Rattler also 
had probably has probably the second best arm of any of these quarterbacks after Milton in this senior bowl practice. I thought his first practice was okay. He was fine. Like nothing really stood out, but I wouldn't necessarily seen him in a different tier as, as a Bo Nix or Sam Hartman based off of his practice. Michael Pratt out of Tulane, I thought showed better arm strength than I thought I saw watching the film of him. He had some nice throws throughout the day. So he came looking better, especially given that I don't think Rattler or Milton really owned that practice. And Carter Bradley of, of South Alabama, the player that I said was QB7 going into this into this week and was not a draftable uh, target. But it, but basically, again, because that second practice at the American, American with Miller and Pratt, uh, you know, no one really one really dominated. It's like he didn't look out of place in that regard. So, you know, Carter Bradley by, uh, you know, omission, I guess you could say, um, you know, looking like a guy that could, you know, hold his own uh, this week uh, among these quarterbacks. But, you know, what does this mean for the Falcons, right? We know the Falcons are in the market for a quarterback. And at this point, nothing definitive at this point. You know, uh, we just hired Jimmy Lake, former Washington uh, head coach and defensive coordinator. Uh, and you would say, oh, well, Michael Penix played at Washington. Unfortunately, Penix and Lake's time at Washington did not overlap. Basically, Lake was fired a month before Penix decided to turn, and at that point, Kalen DeBoer, DeBoer had already been named uh, Lake successor, successor as that, and there wasn't that much carryover from from coaching staff to DeBoer's uh, coaching staff. Uh, so it's not as if it's you know, oh, they know this guy or Jimmy Lake, you know, knows this guy or whatever. So. We'll see if the Falcons are in the market for one of these quarterbacks. We don't know enough about Zach Robinson's preferences for what a quarterback is based off of the comments made by PFF Steve Palazzolo on Pittsburgh radio, uh, you know, earlier this week or early last week, um, talking about Robinson's potential fit in Pittsburgh. We talked about that, I believe, on Monday's episode uh, or Sunday night's episode, depending if you're watching on YouTube, um, you know. We heard from Steve saying that Robinson likes "quote unquote" natural playmakers, guys with arms. Uh, he was a big fan of Patrick Mahoney, seventeen, and as I said, uh, that sound that sounds sick today, but at the time, Patrick Mahomes was not as beloved a prospect as you would assume he was based off of his success. And you know, natural playmakers with loose arms. I don't know if that really describes any of the games of any of these seven quarterbacks at the senior bowl. Like that to me feels more like a Caleb Williams, a Drake may a Jaden Daniels, maybe even more of a JJ McCarthy out of Michigan. More is that sort of description than any of these guys uh, in terms of at least the playmaking element. Um, so we'll see uh, what becomes and, and what affinities the Falcons have at the quarterback. But I would look at the senior bowl group and say like, these guys really fit kind of the Arthur Smith style of court, right? Not necessarily. Again, if we're, you know, there, there are no Patrick Mahomes or Mahomes or the problem being Caleb Williams, he'll get that comp, get that comp. You know, he's probably the closest thing you'll get to. I'm, I'm not going to make that comp, but like if you're trying to make a comp, it's like, okay, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Like my comp for Caleb Williams is basically Matt Stafford's arm talent plus Russell Wilson's off script, uh, off structure wizardry, which probably is if you looked at the player that's closest to combining those two traits, that's probably Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but, you know, when I look at these senior bowl quarterbacks, all that to say, I think these are more like Arthur Smith guys, right? Game managers get to the right answer, you know, more of those types of quarterbacks. So we'll see if the Falcons, if one of these guys emerges, obviously practice is not the place for you to, you to really go script and show your natural playmaking ability abilities uh, in, in that regard. So we'll see how, see how this will 
Do any of these quarterbacks trend up, trend up over the, do some of these guys trend down over the course of the week? That will be also a topic at the front of our minds as the week unfolds. But these quarterbacks, as they were making throws or missing throws, you know, who were the guys on the receiving end of those throws? And we'll talk about some of the pass catchers that stood out. And of course, for all of you Georgia guys, you know, you want to hear what happened with Lad McConkey, and he seemed to be, at least from my eyes, the best wide receiver of the day. And we'll break that down as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. Now, patience, drive and patience, that's what brings home a winning trophy. And it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Mobay Motors has any to maintain your vehicle and level it, level it up to that performance from superchargers, roof racks, X, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for with eBay Guaranteed Fit. Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash, baby. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win, like Michael Penix. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guarantee fit only available to U.S. customers. So continuing today's Locked On, Locked On 5, plug the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 tube streaming channel, the first of its kind here on YouTube, giving you all the biggest stories across all the biggest leagues across the globe. And if you're looking for more local flavor, of course, Locked On Sports Atlanta has you covered. Uh, it's all part of your Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, when we talk about the receivers, Right. And we know the Falcons also have a need at wide receiver. We're looking for juice. Right. We're looking for speed. Right. We want that vertical separation ability. I was trying to keep an eye on the uh, the scoreboard to see sort of who had the, the highest GPS scores. I, I wasn't able to catch it um, today. I'll definitely pay attention tomorrow. You know, I know Trey Palmer was that guy last year and we saw, saw him flying all over the field for the Bucks as a number three, number three receiver. I'm looking for that Trey Palmer type of player there. And I didn't see that watching the practices um, this year, right? You know, no one really popped in a national practice. I would say probably, you know, Florida's Ricky Pearsall was probably the guy that had the most reps that I was like, hmm, I'm intrigued by this guy, right? He showed good bursts, able to separate a couple of times, but then kind of got beat up. And when guys were able to get their hands on him, he, he seemed a little underwhelming there. Underwhelming was kind of what I thought of Tez Walker, the UNC wide receiver, watching, you know, Drake May film. I saw some good reps from Tez Walker, some bad reps from Tez Walker. And that was kind of the story of the day in that national practice. I thought the receivers in the American practice, the afternoon practice were better. And of course, that included Georgia's own Lad McConkey. I, I thought he was pretty easily able to create separation in most of his one-on-one -on -one reps, as well as as well as team, uh, his teammate, Marcus Rosemey Jackson, um, you know, had a good day of practice. He's not the type of guy that's going to wow you with size or speed or quickness or anything, but I thought did a good job uh, given, you know, he doesn't have those plus plus traits in those regard to win several reps. Was able to talk with uh, Marcus after practice alongside Jarvis Davis of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And he talked about how, uh, you know, at Georgia, playing special teams was kind of that sort of eye-opening moment for him coming to Georgia because you kind of go thinking like, oh, you're going to be the star, and then they put you on special teams. And that was a thing that taught him, um, you know, 
the lessons that he needed to basically get to the senior bowl. And one of the, one of the quotes he was, you know, the best players, players play special Georgia. And it was like, yes, that's music to my music to my ears. Why am I Kirby smart, enthusiast, enthusiast, special teams matter. And they, they treat it that way in Athens. So big fan of that. Um, some of the other American receivers that stood out to me, Xavier Leggett of South Carolina. I saw a couple of nice contested grabs for him. That's sort of the thing I've seen from him on film. Uh, Johnny Wilson of Florida State impressed me given his size. I mean, he's basically built the same way as Kyle Pitts. And so a lot of people are talking about moving him to tight end, but he was getting uh, exclusively reps with the receivers and he looks smooth for a guy his size, right? You know, he's like 6'6", 237 with an 84 plus inch wingspan. You know, Kyle Pitts, 6'6", 245 with an 83-3 wingspan. And so, uh, you know, when when, guy, when guys were trying to, he was just running through that. And I thought he looked he looked pretty smooth. We're watching Johnny Wilson over the summer and at the, and at the beginning thinking, okay, this is a tight end. Why are we sitting here pretending that this guy, and I was kind of expecting him to be this sort of stiff guy that was like, yeah, he's not really a guy that can separate and do all of the things that you want a true wide receiver. But he impressed me. So he's going to be a guy I'm going to keep an eye on, even if I'm tired of this sort of the big physical wide receivers that the Falcons have been all in on with Arthur Smith. But, you know, I'm looking at Johnny Wilson. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe not necessarily here in Atlanta because, I, you know, let's get a little bit more speed, a little bit more separation ability here in Atlanta uh, to contrast with the style of players that they have already. But someone's going to be very happy with Johnny Wilson if they're looking for that sort of big unicorn-esque you know, a bicorn, so to speak, uh, uh, if you're fantasy lore. Another receiver that stood out that stood out to me is Jamari Thrash, a Georgia State transfer now at Louisville. I thought he had some good reps as well. So, you know, I think overall a good group of receivers. Uh, we'll see who can sort of emerge over the course of the week as a guy that can consistently, you know, uh, win those one-on-ones. But I think Lad McConkey sort of was my best receiver of the day uh, from these uh, – day one of practice and we'll keep an eye to see who else emerges over the course of the weekend again we know that the falcons have big needs at that wide receiver position but we're going to move to the trenches right and we're going to talk about a sleeper in a texas offensive tackle christian jones and we'll also talk about some of the other odds and ends that emerged around the nfl that are sort of tangential to the atlanta falcons like arthur arthur smith ben johnson and Jeff Ulbrich, Ulbrich, Stalky Morris, and we'll get into all of that, guys, to, to wrap Locked on Falcons. Now, happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate, and that comes from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring, whether it's scoring the best seat on the couch, the best snack, the best drink, or placing some super bets. And guys, you got to love the FanDuel props, right? The Super Bowl final score prop of if it's a repeat, of the previous 49ers Chiefs game with the Chiefs winning 31 to 20. Those odds are 220 to one. It means you can put a few bucks on it, on it, and you win thousands, guys. That's that's oh to get a W at the end of the season. That season that's why it is here to bring you as many W's, W's into the year as you possibly can, whether it's betting on which players are going to score, how many points are going to be scored, so much more. New customers join today and you'll get two hundred dollars in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So let's talk trenches. But before we get there, of course, you know, my guys, Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson of Locked On NFL Draft are going to have you covered 
all week long on some of their their standouts on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, part as part of Locked On Network, your team every day. Of course, of course, who our best to give you give you that good here as your first listen all week long on Locked On Falcons, talking you know these standout practice players uh, and how it relates to the Falcons all week long. But if you want to get the real scoop on sort of where guys or really are you know, trusting the expert opinions on that that come from Keith and Damian over at Locked On NFL Draft. So check that out as your second listen. And I'm sure they'll probably say some things that conflict with some of the things I said on this episode. And again, side with those guys when it comes to, to some of these things. But, you know, I didn't get the chance today watching the trenches as much as I would want to. You know, I thought the thing that stood out to me was just a lot of big dudes out there. There's a lot of sides. Like last year, you had Dewan Jones, and he was like a mountain of a man. But there's a whole bunch of dudes, dudes that are like 6'6", 330 plus out there, out there this bit, right? And so that's what you like. You like this. Talked a little bit about you know yesterday with the uh, you know reporter retention of offensive line coach Dwayne Ledford that the Falcons are not going to move away from the wide zone, outside zone run scheme under uh, new offensive coordinator Zach Robinson. But we've talked about how the, the Rams shifted over time. And maybe one of the ways that they shifted was more towards a gap scheme. And one of the ways that you could see the Falcons not necessarily shift away from an outside zone scheme, but trying to diversify their outside zone scheme by bringing more size in the building. And this year's senior bowl has plenty of size and, and certainly guys that seem to have at least enough athleticism that you could think they can function in sort of an outside zone scheme. I know, I know in the past have been, you know, pushing for like these 340 pound city power movers. And it's like, well, yeah, oh yeah, they can move straight ahead in a straight line. But if you get them, you get them laterally, you know, these guys can't move. And I saw a couple of guys moving laterally uh, in this game, but one game, one guy that stood out. In practice, when I did get my chance to see some one-on-ones, especially in the American practice where I got to see a little bit more than I did in national practice, was Christian Jones, the offensive tackle from Texas. You know, I saw like three reps where he locked down his guy, and I was like, okay, that's pretty impressive. And he wasn't a player that was really on my radar at all going into the week. Hadn't really even heard of him going into the week. So he's definitely going to be a guy that I'm going to go watch his film. I saw uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic put out there that, you know, he – was a guy that helped his stock uh, uh, today. Also, that was something that stood out to me. But some, some, some guys, some guys that are physical. Uh, uh, Todd Waga out of Oregon State, Patrick Paul of Houston, Paul of Houston, Guyton out of Oklahoma were some big physical guys that I saw at least in team drills, not necessarily in one on ones. And I thought they were impressive in terms of their size and movement in some of those team drills. Uh, even if I didn't get to watch those guys in one-on-ones. But I did ask around for some of the people that were keying on some of the one-on-ones with the O-line standouts, especially in that national practice where I didn't really get the chance to watch any of those guys. And the names that consistently came up were Oregon center Jackson Powers Johnson, a 330-pound center. Uh, And so if you're, you know, out on Drew Dolman as the Falcons' long-term option at, at center, you know, Jackson Powers Johnson is very, very contrasting in size. You were looking for somebody who can go toe-to-toe-to-toe to toe to toe with Vita at that size. Maybe he's that type of that type of guy. Washington offensive tackle Roger Rosengarten was, was another that stood out. Uh, BYU offensive tackle Kingsley uh, Suamataya, I think is how you say his last name. Uh, a couple of people talked about him, so those are guys that I think stood out to others on, and we'll try to keep a better eye on those guys on day two. As far as the pass rushers go, I did get to see a little bit of Layatu Latu out of UCLA. I thought he would kind of dominate this game, uh, this day, and 
when I did get to see him, it didn't seem like he was dominating in the ways that I thought he would, right? Uh, a player that did stand out, I know at least to Jarvis Davis, who I was sitting beside, He was his eyes were one way looking at the uh, uh, D-line one-on-ones and my, my eyes were on the opposite field at the, the quarterbacks and receivers. But I did ask, I did ask Jarvis uh, who sort of stood out, and he really liked, really liked Bay tackle Gabe Hall, uh, his quickness and his explosion, uh, as a pass rusher uh, stood out, Duke defensive tackle Dwayne Carter was a player. I I told Jarvis, hey, I, I think you're going to really like his game. And every time Carter won a rep, Jarvis was like, hey, there's your there's your boy from Duke winning a rep, and he did that a couple of times throughout the day. So clearly, he had uh, a good day. And I did get to see one of those reps where he just absolutely obliterated a guy on a bull rush. I didn't see who he uh, blew up on that play, but uh, it was a great rep for them. But you know. Didn't get as many one-on-ones, um, you know, either in the uh, American or national practice as I would like to. My plan is on tomorrow, on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, that I'll some video of some of these one-on-ones uh, to, uh, to see more of that. But we'll sort of finish finish episode, right, moving on from the senior bowl practice to some of the bigger stories that emerged out of the NFL. That's one of the beautiful things of the senior bowl is everybody sort of descends. It's kind of spring break for NFL people. In a, in a little bit, you know, in some ways and in, in other ways not. But, um, you know, seeing the news that Arthur Smith got the job as the new Steelers offensive coordinator, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, very polarizing opinions among the Falcon fans. If you've been listening to this podcast at any amount of time over the last few months, you know that I didn't really think play calling was that major an issue for the Falcons this year in terms of holding back this offense. And so I think this is a good move for the Steelers to hire someone like Arthur Smith. I think he'll be an upgrade over over what they had Canada. I think also the fact that the Steelers have a lot more speed and juice and talent and talent at the one position is going to probably work better, work better. Arthur Smith offense. Uh, than it did here in Atlanta so that, you know, he can kind of spread the field, take the top off. If he's going to run the football, you got players in George Pickens and Deontay Johnson that can, you know, hurt teams down the field, uh, you know, if they do decide to stack the box to key up against the run. Then the sort of shocking news of the day was Ben Johnson's choice to stay put in Detroit as the offensive coordinator. It seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to be the next head coach of the Washington Commanders, similar to the level that it was kind of a foregone conclusion with Jim Harbaugh being the next L.A. Chargers head coach. But Again, the fun the fun thing about the soul is you get all these people and you you hear you hear things. You know, you know, you're you're listening to little tidbits of tidbits of conference going on around you as you're all sort of sitting in the ble- sitting in the bleachers. I ran into somebody as I was leaving practice and we talked about the sort of Ben Johnson uh sort of thing. And he sort of mentioned to me that he had a conversation with someone who covers the lines a couple of years ago, and that person kind of mentioned to him that he he didn't think Ben Johnson wanted to be a head coach and at the time didn't really think a whole lot of it. But seeing Ben Johnson kind of turn down jobs these last two coaching cycles kind of seems to smack ring a little bit more true uh, now, uh, thinking back on that conversation you had. So those are the little interesting nuggets that you hear. Uh, certainly, I'm sure Locked on Lions and maybe Locked on Commanders probably have some um, addition, additional thoughts. On that, so go check those out for that. But but um, the last little thing we'll talk about is, is Raheem Moore in Atlanta and got a chance to, to get on and, uh, you know, catch some sound bites from a former Falcons linebackers coach and, you know, I guess co-defensive coordinator, run game coordinator, whatever you want to call him, uh, alongside Morris. Uh, during those last years of Dan Quinn, uh, now the Jets defensive coordinator, Jeff Ulbrich. And unfortunately, the audio that I did record from uh, that interview uh, 
aren't podcast worthy, right? But I did get to see some of the quotes Zach Rosenblatt of The Athletic put up over at that website, basically capturing all those quotes. And we'll read off what Jeff Ulbrich said, you know, reiterating the sort of 100% approval rating that Raheem Morris has around the NFL amongst coaches. And this is what Jeff Ulbrich said, said, Raheem, in my opinion, he's one, one of the, if not the best coaches I've ever been around in every way. He's the rare guy that he can connect. He can motivate at a whole different level than most, but also he has this enormous brain. He's very cerebral. So they're getting this really cool mix of both the best of both worlds, which is so rare. You're getting an elite human being, elite father, elite husband, elite friend. They checked every box when they got Raheem. All these years, he's been passed over for coaching jobs, which he shouldn't have for whatever reason. He was never pissed. It's was always, how can I help Dan Quinn? How can I help me? How can I help Sean McVay? That's always been his mindset. Thankfully, he's being rewarded for that. So again, the 100% approval rating from, from Raheem, at least in league circles, is is a ring to see. And I know I joked with somebody somebody uh, after practice that you know he, I know, he asked me, I thought of the Raheem Morris, and I was like, I'm a big fan of it. And I mentioned 100% approval rating, and they looked shocked at me. They're like, 100% approval rating? thinking that I was referring to the fans. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not talking about the fans. Of course, fans have n- n- never will have 100% approval rating on anything. I'm sure Patrick Mahomes is probably the closest that Chiefs fans have 100%, you know, to 100%. It's probably like 94% approval rating. There's probably 6% of Chiefs fans are like, I never really thought about Patrick Mahomes being the guy. Chad Haney is really the star uh, of this, you know, some some crazy take. But, you know, that rare sort of instance of, you know, every player, every coach, is just just scenes of Raheem Morris, and so I think for those fans fans out there that are still reluctant on Raheem Morris, and again, it's, and again, it doesn't mean that Raheem Morris is gonna you know, you know be a successful head coach, but I think it's easier to get behind if uh, this hiring, if you were a little hesitant, a little mixed on it, uh, given all the praise that you're hearing from coaches that have worked with him, you know, from the Kyle Shanahan's and the Sean McVay's and the Jeff Olberg's and pretty much all these guys. So um, that's sort of what I wanted to leave this episode with. Again, you know, we're going to continue to tout Raheem Morris as the guy that's going to help fix this Atlanta Falcons football team. And maybe he'll do so uh, by selecting some of these guys that we're watching here at the senior bowl, uh, similar to last year with guys like Hugh Bergeron and um, um, Zach Harrison wasn't here. Who else? was here. Someone else was here. DeMarco Helms was here. Was here. He had a day of practice and Gwen, Gwen showed up at the end of the practice as well. So probably a couple of these guys that we're watching that I'm not spending too much time thinking about. And then we get to the draft and it's like, Oh, that guy, I remember, you know, I vaguely remember that guy on like Wednesday's practice. So we'll keep you covered here guys all week long here on locked on Falcons. Check out locked on NFL draft. If you want to get more insight into this this week of practice and of course we got every show covered so you, you want to get more insight into ben johnson locked on lions i'm sure locked on commanders have some thoughts as well so we'll get into that locked on steelers i'm sure they're talking about arthur smith you know not saying that you should do do this but some of you guys will feel compelled to go over to over to career on locked on steelers leave a comment and share your and share your thoughts on arthur smith's hire so go ahead and do that positive negative or all the ways in between i'm sure chris would definitely 100 he will definitely appreciate that so go check that out guys as your second listen uh we'll continue here uh with locked on falcons i'm sure locked on sports atlanta with jarvis davis also has his thoughts on 
day one of senior bowl practice goes go check that out again it's all part of the lockdown podcast network check out lockdown sports today lockdown sports atlanta your team every day